You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Curra. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hook! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra. It's Brazilian Tide. We have made it to the end of the 2022 CFL season. I wasn't sure we were going to have a full season again last year with the COVID thing. This year with the CBA stuff, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure we were going to make and it. And our to awesome, our awesome schedules. Yeah, exactly. But we finally made it. The playoffs are upon us in six days. The East and the West semifinal. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. You can use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, Website and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. It's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. Now that we're at the end of the season, it would be fun to kind of wrap up the season, but maybe, maybe we'll do that after we just do a quick few sentences on this weekend's games. Like just, let's just wrap it up in 310 words. <laughs> do you have 310 words prepared? I got 310 rushing yards. So. <laughs> First, the Bombers beat the Lions 24-9. to I think the big thing in this game was to stay as healthy as mm-hmm. possible. Zach Kolaris comes in, two drives, two touchdowns for the future MOP, 37 touchdowns on the season. Now, he wasn't blowing us away with yards throughout the season, but it was the plays... When they needed to be made, mm-hmm. they were made. A lot of times second and long, and a lot of times when the Bombers get to, you know, the 35-40 yard line, that's when they were taking the shots. That's when Schoen would get it. That's when Dembski would get it, and it went all season long. And, you know, for a while, the Bombers were that that running team, and congratulations to Brady Oliveira. Had a hard-fought game here. He got across the 1,000-yard plateau. The running game got better as the season went on, but these guys can make all sorts of plays and make defenses pay mm-hmm. in any way that they so choose, really. Yeah, and I mean, we we weren't sure. We knew it wasn't going to be the same offense. When, once Andrew Harris was gone, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and we saw last year with Oliveira, he had glimpses. This year, a full year of him and Augustine kind of spelling each other off, doing different things. They, they still put together a really decent year between the two of them, or decent years between the two of them. And then you have the emergence of Adult and Shown. You have Zach Claros doing basically what he was able to do last year. Greg Ellison playing a part. They they just made they made the pieces that they. And, you lose Andrew Harris, that frees up a lot of money to add pieces that you need to. That defense is already set. Yep, yep. They just had to find a way to make sure they scored enough points. And they, Zach Claros, it, it wasn't even like he had a 
terrible year and and won in spite. It, it was on both sides of the ball. This team was just dominant. Now, the, the biggest moment of this game, I think the most important news of the week was Nathan Rourke, and he got onto the field, and he played a little over a quarter, and he looked like he still had the velocity. Maybe the timing on the deep throws was a little bit off. Sometimes it looked like he didn't want to test the foot, but sometimes he had to. And the Bombers, they brought pressure here, and they hit him. And we saw the moment where Jake Thomas lays quite a lick on Nathan Rourke. Rourke goes to put the hand up to get helped up, and Jake Thomas, no way. <laughs> Maybe he's going to be seeing him in two weeks in the Western Final. If Calgary has something to say with for that, maybe they won't see each other in two weeks. But Rourke goes 7 of 11, 68 yards. I mean, looked decent, looked like he had some velocity. Maybe wasn't all that uh, confident in the foot, but he still has, let's say, all this week to get ready for the Western semifinal. But <laughs> Calgary's defensive line is nothing to ignore either, and they're going to see the pressure that Winnipeg, they were able to get pressure in this one. Calgary's going to be bringing the heat on Sunday. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. That's the only way you're going to be able to play against a Nathan Rourke. Yes, he, he has the mobility. You kind of saw a little bit of it, but with that foot injury, you won't yeah. want to put as much pressure on him as possible. If he's not comfortable running, then you're going to open up opportunities for uh, your defense to make plays. Uh, I think with, with Rourke starting and only playing like a quarter, like you said, he's for sure starting on Sunday against Calgary. I don't think that's up for debate. Now this knocks the rust off, although it didn't look great. It gets them some reps and, and, yeah. you know, and some, some game reps, not just practice because game, game speed and practice are two totally different things. In this game, Keon Hatcher crosses the 1000 yard mark. I think one of the quietest thousand yard yeah. seasons we've seen. Yeah. Not, and not a big name. Nope. I think is is the biggest part of this. And then when uh, work went down, uh, you know, it was just kind of assumed like this offense, we didn't know what we were going to see, didn't know what the offense was going to be able to do. And Vernon Adams steps in, uh, Pipkin carries a little bit of the load, see Michael Connor or O'Connor a little bit, but I mean, just quietly plods along and puts up the numbers. And, you know, a guy like that is a huge piece of an offense when, when, you know, He's getting that set, that third, fourth matchup in the secondary. You've got to be able to exploit that. And versatile. When uh, mm -hmm. Burnham goes down or Whitehead goes down, they throw yeah. him in those positions, and he's Brand, played like in Brandon almost every Zildra spot. in, was that 2015, yeah. 2016? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Super Saturday, there was a triple header on Saturday. <laughs> the, the Owls beat the Argos 38-33. And now I know the Owls had a lot of their uh, backups playing in this one. Uh, Dom Davis is the, the, the starter of note for the Alouettes, but they were throwing it up and they were having fun with some of those uh, backup receivers that were making big plays. And I mean, Kayon Julian Grant, I, I think he's one of our most under, underrated Canadians in the league. He's so good once he gets the ball too. He's great once he, uh, with the yak, he did have 55 yards in this one. Cole Speaker, 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dominic Davis, 166 yards passing. 13, well, he completed every pass he threw. He was 13 of 14, but the one was an interception. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're such an ass. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Two touchdowns passing for him, and then uh, Davis Alexander had 13 uh, attempts as well. But Chad Kelly starts for the Argos. He plays the whole game. 23 of 35, 264 yards, a touchdown or two touchdowns and a pick. I, I think the thing about this guy is uh, his toughness and his athleticism. He's not afraid to pull down the ball and take off with it. And one of the things, now I'm still not convinced that this one was a touchdown, but man, it was good to see Jawan Breskison back doing what he does. His time with Toronto has been full of injuries, quite frankly. And we, we've seen his potential in Calgary and made some dynamite catches with the Stampeders. And he made a circus catch in this one, which was awesome to see. Five catches, 48 yards for him. Dijon Brissett had six catches, 69 yards. Nice. And a touchdown there. Hey, and we also saw a punt, a blocked punt for a touchdown in mm-hmm. this one. A kickoff return from Jeremiah Hadel in this one, an 87-yard touchdown return. So they were making plays in this one, and these two teams, if I'm a betting man, probably going to play each other again in two weeks. Ooh, well, okay, L- let's talk about just Hamilton and Ottawa because I think there is some – Things of note in this game, the Ticats beat the Red Blacks 23-16, but how did you feel about how they manage their quarterbacks here? Matt Schiltz plays the first half, Dane Evans comes in, then they take Dane out, Schiltz back in. What are they going to be doing for this East semifinal? They're not going to tell us anything, we know that, but is this just going to be, okay, Dane, Schiltz, you start if you struggle? We're not going to hesitate to put the other guy in. I, I just don't know if that's a that's a winning formula, quite frankly. No, you have to pick one and, and stick with them. Uh, but we whole... got one game. <laughs> yeah, but I, why are you flip flopping? Like, get all the re- if Dane Evans is going to be your starter on Sunday. There's no reason to be pulling him out of games and and treating him like that. Like, well, that's like, why that's I was surprised. It's not going to help. The continuity with the offense is not going to help the time. I mean, it's not going to help anything. Well, that's why I was kind of surprised he got into the game in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's with the backups in there. That's why it makes me wonder if they're going to be starting Schiltz on Sunday. That's Maybe a, I'm That's a base. real possibility at this point. It kind of seems like it because Dane was, I mean, he went 7 of 9 for 117 yards. He also did get sacked twice, and he was... Kind of on the run a lot. Montreal was, or Ottawa was sending those guys. (laughs) And Ottawa was trying to win this game. The offense, I don't know if they stuck with Caleb Evans a little bit too long here. Because I will say for Ottawa, when Tyree Adams got in, he led that touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. And a lot of CFL quarterbacks, I think when they first get in there, especially if they're athletic guys, they can kind of pull down the ball and create things mm-hmm. and have a lot of fun. But I think they might have something in uh, Tyree Adams. Look, it's such a small sample size. I get it. But the Ticats were trying, it looked to me, to win this game. I still I don't know about those quarterbacks. I- it, like If you... If you're going to start, if your plan is to start Dane Evans on Sunday, he's either playing the entire game or he's not playing at all. Or, you know, you you have it set 
one half for him, one half. Or maybe wouldn't he have started the first? I mean, does that even matter? I don't know. Start, yeah, whatever. But you have it set to where you know he's going to play this. Schultz is going to come in. He's going to do his thing, and then you know if you want Schultz and Newman to split the second half, yeah, you can do that too. You can do whatever you want. But to pull him out, performance, but like it should have just been this. Like, why are you trying? A, why are you trying to win this game? You like, why is this not? Why is it not just a game to use for basically a practice? And that's not nothing against Ottawa, but I mean, get your reps, make sure timing and everything's good, get out of there healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Dane's still got the messed up hand. We, we saw yeah. him get sacked in this one. So then why he, not sit him I know. all game? Because he gets up and he's shaking the hand. And I, Dane's a tough guy. I, I get it. But. Cleon Lang, Lorenzo Mald, and uh, Kenny Onyeka, <laughs> those guys right there had four sacks. They weren't – those guys are playing for jobs next year too. That 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 might be a dangerous team to play. Yeah. They, like they want to get a win, and Ottawa was not able to get a win in front of their yeah. fans again. I think maybe they should have started Richie Leone. Uh, I mean, he one pass, 23 yards. I mean – Antoine Pruneau, like, yeah, like what a great fake punt there. But that Hamilton quarterback situation, it might be a situation to watch come the Eastern semifinal. Hey, you talked rushing yards, and we know it was Calgary beating the Riders 36-10. to Early in the season, it was the Rider defense that was the strength, and then it came on as the season went on as if the team almost – had no strengths other than Mario Alfred, hopefully being able to return one and, to the house and penalty yards. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy Stevens, the backup quarterback, four carries, one hundred and sixty-three yards rushing. I'm not going to ask you this right now. That has to be close to a quarterback record. I. Yeah. Oh. I don't see how it couldn't be. Oh, an 85-yard sneak where I believe it was Colton Hunchak that sealed the edge. Larry Dean takes a terrible angle on it. Nobody's catching Tommy Stevens, and he's gone to the house. That has kind of summed up the second half of the season for the Riders. Second half or? Well, they were good against the run early on. Yeah, the last 13 weeks has just been... And not not like a slow decline. It was off yeah. a cliff. It was the eighteen wheeler. It was Brian Burke's eighteen wheeler. It was, it was. I will say in this one, uh, Lanier gets back into the lineup, and the Ryder defensive line was able to get pressure. They were, uh, which was different. Charleston Hughes was able to make some noise in the. Uh, it's funny, the only sacks in this one for the Riders came from defensive tackles, Anthony Lanier and and Miles Brown, but but the offense was not able to sustain anything. It was what they it was, had, it 10 was yards in the first quarter or half or something like that. 11, just, 11 yeah. yards in the first quarter. <laughs> that That's... That's this Rough Rider team. They're going to have both teams. They're going to have very interesting off seasons. Maybe Calgary less Calgary, so. Calgary, I, I don't think, think not so much. I think, I think their core is set. Yeah, Your receivers are set. I just think Bo moving on. It's just it's not going to be a shock. It's just going to be wherever he ends up. It'll be it'll be it'll look weird to see yeah. him in a different jersey. 
Absolutely. What a winning percentage for him. Number one in CFL history as it stands right now. 90, 25, and two or something yeah, like that. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. And those two ties insane. were back to back years, were they not against Ottawa? I think they were Ottawa, yeah. yeah. Like, insane numbers. He gets into the fourth quarter. All he does is hand the ball off to Diedrich Mills, and uh, he takes a couple knees at the end of the game. But you could hear it on TV. The Calgary Stampeder faithful uh, showing respect mm-hmm. to Bo. Well, there's still a lot of 19 jerseys in that stadium, and there still will be for years to come. But is yeah. that 19 going to be green in 2023? Oh, man. I, it's a distinct possibility. Like I think the Riders are definitely... It's all about market. fit, right? Like they're in a mar- they're in the market for a starting quarterback. I, I don't see them resigning for Jarda with the way this year went and the way Dickinson handled him down the stretch. I see them in the market for a new OC, a new head coach, possibly <laughs> a new general. Like it could be a complete cleaned out house foreclosure. It's been empty for years in Regina. Like once Spirit of Halloween is done with Mosaic Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> the board can take over again, but Man. I like a bow in a rider jersey. Just I don't know. Like, does he just like does he want to keep playing? And if he does, because he's what thirty seven. No, he's younger. Or no, he's thirty four. He's younger than us, dude. Bo, no. Yeah, come on, yeah. Come on now. Bo Go. Mitchell, born at March third, nineteen ninety. Okay, so he's 32. So, yeah, like I said, that's ridiculous. There's no way he's <laughs> That's how long he's been. He's, he's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to play 20 seasons. <laughs> Look, he's, he's 32, and he already has 32,000 passing yards. Yeah. Like, Remarkable. Does he go to a team and – Maybe it's the Riders on like a one or two year deal and wait for like a better opportunity. Like, you know what I mean? Like a team that is like where they would have the chance to win in like three or four years. They don't have it now because of whatever situation they're in, but it's, he goes to somewhere for a year or two just to make the money as a placeholder and then goes off and then goes somewhere where he can win a championship. So I don't think that's Regina. It's just really interesting. I don't see him wanting to go into a rebuild situation. No. I not at all. Why is, would he why would you if you're him? Is Rourke gonna stick around? I mean <laughs> like I, I just think is 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 Montreal committed to Trevor Harris? And yeah. it feels like is Toronto committed to McLeod? <laughs> it feels like the talk is that Bo's going to stick west. That's kind of, but I'm just thinking it in my head, like a Bo to Eugene Lewis or a Bo to Dominic Rhymes connection. I don't know. I I don't think he's well, done. If he's and he's going to stick out west. There's only one option. There could be a there uh, could be two. And possibly if Chris Jones just says, screw it. I was going to say, we don't know. That's the wild card. Yeah, sure, right? you paid Taylor Cornelius. But what does that matter? <laughs> yeah, we'll pay him, whatever. Yeah. He's, we saw in Saskatchewan him dishing out bonuses and cutting guys after they got paid. So yep. 
<laughs> it's it's going to be an eventful off season. Uh, we know that much. There'll be more news in the off season about the quarterback carousel than we have had about the halftime show. Yep, exactly, and and that's a good uh, segue yeah, here. Yeah. I, I just wrote down the biggest <laughs> the biggest uh, controversies of the 2022 season. So here are your options: Garrett Marino, <laughs> Slurpee cups, Ooh. air horns. Or the Grey Cup halftime show. Now, there was a write-in option for your mustache, but it's back. So, I would say... No, it it's not a mustache. It's just that this stuff is really bad. <laughs> oh, it's a beard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not great. And the lighting. It's the lighting. <laughs> like, this comes in blonde. And, like, a oh, little, okay. like, little black hairs here and there. And this is just fire engine red. I mean, I feel it's the easy way to say Garrett Marino. Yeah, that's the easy. That's a coward's way out. I think it might be the air horns. No, <laughs> I got one more for you. Uh oh, the in booth interview. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Chris Cuthbert's tweet uh, from this past week. He said uh, the biggest question during the Grey Cup game is who's going to be the interview oh, during the third quarter. Quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> CC gets it. Whoa, CC gets it. I miss that guy on uh, CFL football. One of the greatest, I think, this country mm-hmm. has to offer. Uh, it was a fun year, but in the way where uh, things are back to normal, where people like last year, we were just thankful to watch football. Things are way more back to normal than you think. People are bitching about the lack of yeah. halftime yeah. option. They're still <laughs> bitching about the third quarter interviews. Yeah. Uh, what is and what isn't a touchdown? Yep, yep. Man, yep. center call. Officiating, yep. Andre yep. Poo can't speak English. We've like, had some great Andre moments in the last week oh that have gone. Uh, this has been so bad, though. Like, <laughs> man, it's bad. Hey, Brad Burry's no longer a CFL official. There's been, there's been a lot going on, but I Tim, guess. Once Tim Croker's gone, then I'll be real happy. <laughs> there have been some. Uh, Charts floating around uh, about when the Grey Cup halftime show has been announced. If you go back to 2011, Nickelback playing in Vancouver, the Grey Cup halftime show wasn't announced until November 4th, 23 days before the game. It's not the date or when they're announcing it. It's the fact that we've heard nothing, and it just makes it seem like the league has their head up their ass. And then... 2015, I think that was Fallout Boy in Winnipeg. That, that was, was also, really good. It was uh, announced November 3rd, 26 yeah. days before the game. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty short here. We're probably less than, well, we're basically three weeks away from yeah. the Grey Cup, uh, but the playoffs just, underway. It, and, I think I think personally it's a bad look because it's your marquee event of the year. Yeah. And as much as I don't give a about who plays halftime, really, yeah, because yeah. that's not why I'm tuning in. It it just makes it look like you're on the ball, you're on top of this, you're you're trying to grow the league like you have been saying you have been trying to do. You got all your ducks in a row, and you have something to to show for it, and you have proof that you're on this. We're three weeks out, we have nothing. Now we have, we have rumblings. We have Eddie Steele tweeting out stuff. You know, well, and that ended up being a joke. He said it was a joke. Yeah, like I mean. There's a, 
we in our group chat there was that whole well maybe it's Shawn Mendes but he had to cancel tour dates so it's like maybe it did fall through maybe, maybe it did. but then like why not why not come out and say something I don't know I think it I I think that the haters would crap on the league if they said it fell through. They, they they would just yeah, it would be because you're because we're bush league. So I don't think you could say that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Saying announcements coming or but they haven't really said that. We know we're going to get it this week. Yeah, uh, we'll see what it is. If it's the uh, Arkells, I quit. <laughs> two years in a row. They can't do it two years in a row. And there's a lot of talk about Shania. She's got a tour coming up in the spring. I really no offense to Shania. I don't think. It should be a three-time Grey Cup halftime performer. Yeah. I don't think so. Not before Trooper comes back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's be real. <laughs> so we'll see who it's going to be this week. I've also made a list of memorable games Ooh. from uh, 2022. And I, I, I mm. man, going back I on don't this, have the prep sheet open. So oh, okay. So... so Starting with week one, and I, I know it's not a flattering score, but BC crushing Edmonton mm-hmm. 59-15. And, and the thing was, before the season, a lot of the experts, a lot of people thought BC was crazy for going with Nathan Rourke. 26-29, 282 yards, three touchdowns in his first game. James Butler rushes for 108. Lucky mm-hmm. Whitehead's head has 110. Everything they did destroyed Edmonton. So it told us a lot. A lot of things a lot of people did destroyed Edmonton. Right. This season. But Gary Peters has an interception. Mm-hmm. TJ Lee has two interceptions. Luchas Purifoy has an interception. It was just the fact that we got we got oh. back from Lee Park and it was what the hell happened? Forty two to six at halftime. Yeah. So it told us, yeah, the Elks are what the Bears were who we thought they were. <laughs> they're starting from scratch, yeah. but the Lions. They're the real deal, and it, it made us. Not even the Lions, Nathan Rourke. Yeah, exactly. It, sure, it was it was the first game of the season, but it was like, okay, this, he's got that three hundred yard game in him. He can protect the ball. His defense is going to be good. Here we go. Turns out he's got four hundred yard games in him. Defense held out through the year, and he he only played ten games. Well, yeah, and then we wondered, can Rourke do it again? Well, yeah. they they're on a bye the next week, and then the next game against Toronto, forty four to three, thirty nine of forty five, four hundred thirty six yards yeah. and four TDs. <laughs> Rourke was and is the real deal. The only question is if he's going to be healthy against Calgary in the mm-hmm. West semi. I got uh, week two. Toronto beating Montreal, David Cote missing the the winning field goal as the Argos win 20-19, to and that is the last time we would see Vernon Adams Jr. suit up Mm -hmm. for the Montreal Alouettes. Week two, Calgary trailing Hamilton, 24-3 at half. At halftime, yep. (laughs) That was massive. They put up 20 in the fourth quarter, and they win 33-30 at, in overtime. Yeah. Wow. That was in Hamilton, was it not? It was. Suck it. <laughs> Come on. 
Jordan had 109 yards in that one. We got Winnipeg beating Toronto in week four when Boris Beattie missed the extra point. It would have at least forced overtime. But look at that. David Cote missing the wheel, winning field goal against Toronto. Well, it ends up biting Toronto a little bit later on. Karma. The trilogy between Winnipeg and Calgary, where every game was good. Winnipeg won every game, but week six, Kamar Jordan can't complete that catch in the end zone, losing 26-19 to the Bombers. How about the Elks beating the Ticats in Hamilton on Canada Day? Trey Ford's first start in the CFL. The Elks, yes, did have a memorable game. He goes 15 of 26 for 159 yards with the touchdown and a pick. But he had 61 yards rushing in his total. And we saw the athleticism of Trey Ford in that game. How about Week 8? Ottawa beating Toronto. On the back of Caleb Evans. (laughs) Caleb Evans, 24 of 29, 286 yards and two touchdowns. Thought maybe this is is the turnaround. (laughs) Not quite. No. Not quite. By the way, in that game, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson throws 340 yards and a touchdown. And they lose. And how about Caleb Evans setting the CFL record for most rushing touchdowns via quarterback? I, I want to go back and watch the Doug Flutie season because I have a feeling that it's not just... One-yard yeah. sneaks. Not all of them, anyway. Yeah, exactly. How about Montreal beating Winnipeg in Week 10 as Mark Leggio misses two key oh, field goals, yeah. including one in overtime... Yeah. 2017, the this final there. It comes a shock to you. That ruined a 4 and a week for me. <laughs> so Mark Leggio misses two key kicks there, but kicks a 55-yarder to beat the Rough Riders on Labor Day in Regina, where the Riders were leading. No, it was tied at the half. Tied at half. But only three points scored by the Bombers in the second half. It was enough. And it was a 55-yard field goal. Just shows how uh, Mike O'Shea, I mean, he put the confidence in his kicker. And Legio's been solid since Uh that Montreal uh, miss. And then how about this one in Week 10? Calgary's leading BC 20-3 as Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions fight all the way back. And the Lions put up 20 points in the fourth quarter to win 41-40. Rourke throws for 488 yards, 52 pass attempts, two touchdowns, two picks. And the Lions win. There was actually a lot of entertaining games this season, man. And then last week we had a game in on a rouge. Yeah, I I was going to mention that one too. <laughs> like games have ended in almost every way possible we can think of this season. Yep, yep. And Last second kicks, missed kicks, comebacks. There's been everything. Huge man. comebacks. Like I don't know if they're comebacks more or blowing leads. Yeah, yeah. In, in some cases, right, you've had absolute blowouts where, yeah, you, know, you get showcases guys like Rourke, and, and then you had the game like you mentioned with McLeod Bethel Thompson throwing for 
340 some yards or whatever it was and losing mm-hmm. like it just goes to show that yeah this it it doesn't just come down to one player and no, i think we no. all know that especially football but like yeah you can have those great individual performances but if if you can't win those football games it feels not as fulfilling mm-hmm. absolutely this episode of Two and Out brought to you by Connect First Credit Union. Welcome to Super Typical Mega Bank. How can we disappoint you today? Hi, I'd like to open an account. May I pressure you into considering a pro disadvantage, high regret, impersonal, everyday inconvenient savings plan with added compound and confusion at no additional discount or apology? It's one of our top disappointers. I feel so disappointed. Yeah. Another unsatisfied customer. Next! If your bank makes you feel like this, it's time you talk to us. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. Okay, going for the leaders this year, there have been 10. Now, we'll get to the fantasy stats, but first, just the raw numbers. Uh, 10 receivers crossed the 1,000-yard mark, starting with Stephen Dunbar, who had exactly 1,000 yards. He achieved that this past week. Uh Dalton shown the leader, fourteen hundred and forty-one yards as a rookie, twenty point six yard average on catches, sixteen touchdowns, a remarkable season. Dominic Rhymes, fourteen hundred and one yards. Geno Lewis, thirteen hundred and three yards. Tim White had over twelve hundred. Jalen Acklin had over eleven hundred. But only the two touchdowns. I think that'll mm-hmm. be something to watch next year. If he's continuing to put up that yardage, the touchdown's probably going to come up a little bit, wouldn't they? I would think so. And, two, with a healthy Jeremiah Mazzoli, I think that offense is way different. Yeah, yeah. Curly Gittens Jr., just over 1,100 yards. Keon Hatcher, 1,043. Malik Henry, 1,023 in 13 games played, by the way. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Lucky Whitehead, 1,011 yards. Hey, we can do the fantasy leaders for the receivers. Is those basically the names we're seeing? Or what's the, we'll say top five. I had to take a picture because there's so many, like, there is, what number is that? Okay, there's nine guys with over 200 points. Oh, wow. In the receivers. So number one, obviously, is Dalton Schoen. I mean, that's with 16 touchdowns. He puts up yeah. 310 points. 310.4. <laughs> Tim, Tim White, 287.2. Geno Lewis, 281.3. Curly Gittins Jr. in fourth. Uh, Nick wow. Dempsey. Nick Dempsey in fifth. Like Winnipeg had two guys in the top five, just fantasy wise. Like wow. Nick, Dem- Nick Dembski, kind of basically being your Swiss Army knife. Like he, they get the ball to him. They can get the ball to him so many different ways. And Nick so Dembski, ten touchdowns in thirteen games. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Dunbar Jr. So Hamilton had two near the top. Uh, Malik Henry, two hundred four point nine, in like you said, thirteen games. And then Jalen them against Edmonton. <laughs> Jalen Acklin had 203.9, and Keon Schaefer Baker had 201.4. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then like, you talk about uh, teams like Calgary or teams like BC. Like, I just, I feel like I screwed something up because I don't have anybody. I bet you I took a picture of the wrong spreadsheet. No. Oh. <laughs> And the bottom half of my computer screen is frozen again. 
once you figure that out, right uh, we'll talk about QBs briefly here. Actually, the the leading passer as far as yards go, McLeod Bethel Thompson, who had almost 600 yards more than Zach Kolaris, but Zach had 70 uh, percent even completion percentage, 37 touchdowns which uh, is 12 ahead of Nathan Rourke, who played seven less games than, <laughs> than Kolaris. Do you want to take any bets on uh, who finished one, two, three? <laughs> is it Kolaris, Rourke, MBT? Son of a bitch. In that order? Yeah. Rourke, number two, with 10 Playing games. 10 games. <laughs> That to me is it, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Rourke, uh, he was sixth in yards, but twenty five touchdowns. That is he and the rushing. They they are going to give him the moc, aren't they? You got another option. I actually I talked about it with Sheldon on the last episode. The, the West is kind of intriguing. Did Dembski do enough to get it? Did Cam Judge do enough to get it? In a what? I guess Dembski played only three games more than Rourke, yeah. but he had the ten touchdowns. It's going to be I think Curly Gittens out of the East for sure. Yeah, I think that one's locked up. But the West one is man, it's it's we'll see what the voters say. When you quote those numbers, and we say he was second in touchdown passes, I, I think it might be enough. Like, that offense was prolific. Yep. It was ridiculous with him behind center. Yep, to, to say the very least. To say the very least. And, I, I mean, if you look at rushing uh, touchdowns, <laughs> it's two quarterbacks at the top. <laughs> Caleb Evans, 16 of them. Dominic Davis, 13 of them. Where do they rank on the QB board? Uh, Dom Davis, I didn't even write down. It just depends on the week, like if it was more consistent. Yeah, Dom Davis, I did not even write down. Uh, But 16 for Caleb Evans, that's remarkable. Eighth, 185.7 points. Just barely ahead of Nick Arbuckle. Wow. Wow. Three rushers made it to 1,000 yards this season. It's Kadeem Carey winning the rushing title with 14 games played, by the way. 1,088 yards, 10 touchdowns, 6.6 yards a carry. What a year Mm -hmm. for Kadeem and... Man, like I said, missing some games, Peyton Logan getting in there, Dedrick Mills getting in there, and they're doing just as well. And he's he's 30 years old. I mean, <laughs> I I kind of wonder if the Stamps are going to have some tough decisions at run. I'm not saying Kadeem's done, but I, I, I don't think... Money, <laughs> it, there is a salary cap. Like, that's got to be an issue at some point. They don't want to see Logan or Mills go anywhere, and those guys have both proven that they can they can carry the ball and they can produce as well, especially with that veteran offensive line and the coaching they have in Calgary. 
James Butler, 1,060 yards, five yards a carry, seven touchdowns. Brady Oliveira got to 1,000 on it looked like his last carry of the season, five yards a carry. It started slow for him. That's what's so surprising. Yeah. As the season went on, got better and better and better. And by the end, they are ready for that cold weather football coming up right now with the West Final a few weeks away in Winnipeg. Who were the uh, leaders there? Those three guys rushing in this. What is it? Well, James Butler ran away with it. He did. 251.4. Kadeem Carey in second. 221.6. Oliveira was fourth. Is it AJ Olette third? No. Jamal Morrow. Wow. All of the return yards to start the year. Wow, and he missed a lot of time with a broken hand. Yeah, but, I mean, those first six, seven weeks, he was getting carries galore and returning kicks and scoring touchdowns. So he he ended up with 190.2. Peyton Logan was fifth. Uh, Walter Fletcher was sixth, and Jeshwin Antwi was uh, right behind him, seventh. Uh, Those are very... Don Jackson would be the first running back that didn't reach 100 points. Those are very surprising numbers uh, for me. Uh, find Olette's numbers if you got a chance or if he's in there somewhere. Uh, James Butler, of course, adding the receiving numbers this year. He had 384 yards receiving, four touchdowns. So those receiving yards and those catches – uh, 53 catches on the season for James Butler. That does add to his uh, fantasy point numbers as well. Uh, just looking at A.J. Olette, uh, he's 27 years this old. damn spreadsheet. Uh, Olette had, well, he had 38 catches, mm-hmm. uh, a touchdown, 353 yards. And if you look at his rushing, well, he wasn't, I mean, he had half the rushing numbers of the other guys. He had 516 yards on the season, two rushing touchdowns. And as the season went on, I found he was a guy that got better and better as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, I think the Andrew Harris watch is on for the playoffs. And I think the Charleston Hughes watch is on for the offseason as well. He's got a desire to play. When he was out there this year, he made plays. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was the circumstance or or what it was, but when Charleston Hughes got in there, he had four sacks. He had three forced fumbles. He was making things happen. I mean, he's, he's going to be turning 39 this December. Is he going to be a guy that's going to be uh, – a valuable addition to a defensive line next year. At least he would add some experience. We know that one of the best pass rushers of all time. Well, and is he will? Is that a role that he's willing to take on? Kind of that mentorship, leadership. Yeah. Not going to be playing a whole lot. Uh, not that he played a whole lot this year. Yeah. Um, but you know, do you want to be Daryl Waltrip and race for seven years without a win before you finally decide to hang it up? Right? Do you want to go on your own terms, or do you want to? Do you love football enough to keep showing up every week, knowing that you probably might only play once every three? Right. Right. Uh, and if that if that's the case, and he wants to make 
less money and do that. I think any team would love to have him around. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I think of a team like BC with, with Matthew Betts there and, and guys like that, that could really learn from Charleston Hughes, uh, you know, and just the way, the way he carries himself on the football field is something that, uh, every player can kind of look up to. Like he never really talk about anything controversial with him. No. Keeps his, doesn't really get in a lot of trouble on the football field. Doesn't take a lot of penalties. Doesn't do a lot of stupid stuff. Uh, and can really help a locker room, I think. Um, and I found I found Olet's numbers. Okay, where where does he rank? Sixth. Okay, one forty two point six. Okay, we got things to look forward to here. We got we got three more weeks of CFL football, which means three more weeks of regular podcasts. Man, coming up on Sunday, <laughs> it's Ty Cats Alouettes. And then it's Lions and Stampeders. These are going to be, I think, it's a very interesting game. So this week, previewing those games for you. And then we'll have the recap after those games, ASAP, <laughs> to get you ready um, for the division finals in a couple weeks. You can rate, review, and subscribe to 2 and Out on your favorite podcatcher. Or you can like, comment, and hey, ring the bell on YouTube and get notified every time a new episode is released as well. For Brazilian Tie, I'm Travis Curra. It's playoff time in the CFL. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 